Hey folks, if you've been tuning into 1% Better over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. There's a lot going on right now. The NFL regular season is coming to a close. The playoffs are just around the corner. There's college football bowl games. There's tons of concerts. So there's a lot of different events you can get tickets to. Now Game Time is hooking you up for the holiday season with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. First, download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. From there, you click on the My Tickets selection of the app, create an account, and then under the billing section, you find the redeem code. You can type in the athletic one word. Once again, that's the athletic T H E A T H L E T I C, all one word, for ten bucks off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code and expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make the move quick and score some last-minute tickets. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome. It's Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. This is 1% Better. Uh, we're back in town from the Big Easy. Had some good food, some good times, and uh, that was about where it ended, Zach. Because oof, yep, thirty-four to seven last night at the Superdome. Uh, it was like watching a car crash or something. Um, that was uh, that was they, they got worked. The Colts got worked over by an all-time yep. great quarterback and an unbelievable uh, in an unbelievable home venue. I mean that place never ceases to amaze me. And then I don't know. I think we're. I think there's just so many questions after this game. But just give me. You wrote a big picture takeaway of the game. Just what can you give us a synopsis of what your takeaways were? Just in a a, gl- a little glimpse, I guess. I mean, where do we start? I, I've Hell never I seen know. this team play worse. Yeah. Right. Uh, never seen this team play worse under Frank Reich. I think that's the start for me. We've yeah. seen them play badly. They played badly yeah. on the road last year in Kansas City, but that was sort of a team running out of gas um, after winning 9 of 10 in the regular season and 10, 10 of 11 if you count the postseason. This is completely different. This is their sixth loss in seven weeks. This was a game they had to have. If they were going to keep any sliver of playoff hopes alive, we never thought that was really a possibility. Um, and it's just a complete and utter collapse in every sense of a football game. I mean, they got out coached in every conceivable way. Uh, they didn't put pressure on Drew Brees. They didn't cover Michael Thomas at all in the first half. They didn't run the football at all on offense. They couldn't convert. And for me, it goes back to what we've talked about off and on the last two months. It's the quarterback. It's Jacoby Brissett. That's what jumped out to me. This conversation is growing by the week. He was really poor last night. He was really inaccurate. It's been a consistent theme throughout the second half of the season. And you can't win with quarterback play like that. That's the bottom line. So that's, for me, the biggest thing coming out of New Orleans. Um, The defense was absolutely garbage. Um, There was no kicker to blame because they didn't score any points really until the garbage time reached. But uh, look, it's it's Brissett for me, man. And I got some serious questions because if the Colts are going to keep saying that he's the guy and if he's going to be the guy next year, why is nobody seeing that? Why are there no reasons on tape to see that he's the guy right now? Where do you stand on this? Well, well, let's let's get into that because we just we just talked to Frank Reich a little while ago. So let's get into this. And and to be clear, no one is saying he's the quarterback for next year. And I think that there's going to be some confusion about this because Frank Reich a little while ago 
Uh, he was asked, look, I mean, where do you stand on Jacoby in terms of the next two games? There's there's this groundswell. It might not be a groundswell. I think it's an isolated number of people. But there are some people who are saying, well, hey, you should play Chad Kelly. Let's see if he can play. He's their third string yeah, quarterback. Right? Lose. right. So uh, Frank was very clear. They're not doing that. That uh, Jacoby, he said, Jacoby is our quarterback. And he said, you know, we still have two games left and there's still growth uh, he hopes to see in Jacoby Brissett. He says, you know, when we're thinking about next year as well. And I think that's where I think there's going to be some confusion here. Now, I think that's different than saying Jacoby is our quarterback for next year. No, no one's saying that yeah. because we're not even there agree. yet. They're not. That's Frank Reich. He doesn't give a damn about next year right now. I think the question right now is, can we win a game? So, so I want to, yeah, I want I want people to understand that and and not assume. That because uh, those tweets got tw- um, excuse me those quotes got tweeted out and I've got this deluge of responses like are you kidding me like no no one's saying that he's no one's saying he's the quarterback next year he's saying Frank Reich is saying Jacoby still can grow and I want to see more and I want him to grow for the future I mean he's still under you know contract, what he said so today like, that, it's not like that jumped out at me was he's a second year quarterback he's, he's a, a second year starter Frank, he said. Frank, this yeah. is Frank pointing this out he's mm-hmm. second year starter. And he's struggling. Uh, we have asked every which way. We've asked thousands of different times if the knee is still an issue. And they keep playing it down. Frank said today it's not something he asked Jacoby about every day. It's it, Jacoby's not a guy that's going to talk about injuries. He's out there. He's practicing. He's he's good enough to play. Um, and he's making good throws. So he's making good throws. And then he's making really, really bad throws. So you're seeing a little bit of both ends of the spectrum here. But And you wrote about this a little bit last night among many things they did poorly in New Orleans, was this drastic drop in accuracy. I mean, 53% last night? My God. Now, it was probably a little bit more jarring because on the other side of the coin, you've seen... <laughs> we saw NFL history last night. I mean, Drew Brees threw one con- incompletion. Is 97% passing, good? So, whew, man. <laughs> it's it's historic is what it is, yeah. Uh, so, you you're right. That was really... That was really interesting, though. Like, so the first nine, I think, ten games of the season, or first ten weeks, excuse me, uh, Jacoby Brissett was up above sixty-four percent in terms of completion percentage. Now, there were a lot of criticisms that were valid even then. Okay, and we talked about those back then. And the, those criticisms, you know, you know what they are. Uh, didn't you know show aggressiveness and you know decision making times yeah. were questionable. All those right. things. Okay, those are those are fair and very very valid. However, what the Colts were hanging their hat on is, look, we know, we know, we know, we see it, but he's really efficient and we can win like that. And they weren't wrong, right? They had a good running game. Uh, They were playing decent defense. You have an efficient quarterback, you can win, right? So the problem here is now we're not seeing that efficiency. He's gone from 64% to uh, just a hair under 58%. And in the past, I think, uh, five or six weeks. And that, to me, is what has been... Uh, just really, as you said, jarring, because if Jacoby Brissett is not going to give you the efficiency that you came to expect from him, then he doesn't have anything to hang his hat on. He's a guy who plays efficient football. That's that's his calling card. You may not think it's if enough. If you're going to be Alex Smith, right. then you better be Alex Smith. Right. If he's going to be that, then he has to be that. And now he's not that. I don't think it's the injury. I don't see that. I don't see anything that indicates that it's the injury. Uh, they certainly are never going to say that, but that is... Uh, as it was described to me earlier, that's like the the line of demarcation, right? That's where we started to notice these things for whatever reason. 
Uh, I can't figure it out, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that Jacoby Brissett was like a stud before this. All I'm saying is, this was the one area that we weren't seeing from him was just you know flat out just complete misses. He might not throw the ball to the right guy down the field or the guy right. you want him to throw it to, but that's different. Or he doesn't. He doesn't miss the deep shots. Yeah, right. Those are right. different. And Frank is Frank scheming guys open. I mean. He's, he's making the right decision. Receiver spot. Guys are open. <laughs> he's, he guys makes open. the right decisions. Jack Doyle was at open. Times. Zach Pascal. I mean, the, the play for me. This was the play of the game, and this was the, the a third down on the first drive. And Zach Pascal's on yeah. the sideline, and he's wide open. And Jacoby misses him, and doesn't miss him by a little bit. Misses him by a lot. And you see Sirianni put his hands over his head. You see Brian Hoyer put his hands over his head. They all know that's a missed chance. And this place was really, really, really loud last night. And the Colts won in a place that's really, really loud earlier this season, and that was Kansas City, and they did that with clock-consuming drives that quieted the crowd and kept the stud quarterback on the sideline. This was an early chance to build a little bit of momentum, and they absolutely blew it with a with a mistake that you cannot make at this level. And the problem is these are mistakes that are being repeated, and I see why the fan base is growing very, very, very frustrated because this isn't even like they're asking this guy to be Andrew Luck. They're not asking this guy to be Peyton Manning. They're asking this guy to just be a normal NFL starter. And right now he's playing below that. And that's hurting the Colts. And they're seeing a bre- broken record played every week. And last night it was just as obvious as, as anything we've ever seen this season. And I think, you know, it's easy to forget after looking at that final score. It's easy to forget that at that point when you're talking about the play to Pascal, uh, the third, excuse me, the first quarter, it was 3 nothing. Okay, 3 nothing Saints. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't just an opportunity. <laughs> they were they were rolling. There were there were two opening drives. Jacoby Brissett missed third down throws on on both of them on consecutive drives to open the game. They were moving the ball in both of those instances. They had achieved two first downs on each of those drives. So look, I mean, when you're on the road in a tough place to play, that's how you quiet the crowd. You get first downs. You move the chains. They did that. And then, you know, they got some makeable third downs and got guys in position to make the play and Jacoby didn't hit them. And that's that's what you just can't mask, you know, if you're the Colts. You, you cannot mask that. Uh, I don't – again, I, I just – that to me was just shocking to, to watch his, his just utter inaccuracy. He's never – been you know sort of this accurate downfield passer i mean that's that's fine like we we've known all these things but but you can't do that i mean like those are throws that well no i'm not gonna say that i thought maybe i could make that throw but <laughs> i don't know the point is i i can make it with no with no pass rush maybe so i mean that's a little different but the point is you, you can't you can't do it and and then you, you give the momentum back to a guy who just, you know, is going to murder you when you let him have it. So that's Drew Brees. I don't know. So what do you make of this? Yeah. So we've talked to Frank Reich about this every which way over the last month and him being a former quarterback and a coordinator and a position coach, he knows this position exceptionally well. That's 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 absolutely for sure. sure. But he keeps saying, look, this is bigger than the quarterback. And he says, look, we, we all take ownership of our mistakes, but I have the maturity as a coach to understand there are a lot of factors in this. I know the quarterbacks get too much credit when things are going well. They get too much blame when things are going poorly. Is Jacoby Brissett getting too much blame right now? Well, I mean, it's it's easy to do that, you know, as a as a fan, as a human being. Uh, it is probably the most critical position in, in team sports, right? I mean, it's 
maybe you know your starting quarterback and your ace pitcher, and and the ace pitcher only throws in the you know in major yeah. leagues like once every five every days, four so days. Yeah. four or five days. So so no one in pro sports handles the ball more than the starting quarterback of your NFL team, right? I mean, he's always going to be the guy who decides uh, how your team goes offensively. So so that's you know the, the the bar is high. I get that. That's that's very very true. Uh, that being said. You are correct. I mean, look, he's not the only guy. I mean, there's definitely some truth to that. Like, I, I got to say, look, look, in, look at this. The offensive line, for example, I'm good with this offensive line long term. They got the right guys, okay? I, I really yeah. believe they got the right guys. We can we can quibble about the right side, but, let you know, I think some fans are being a little greedy. You're not going to have a, a, a Hall of Fame offensive line. But I, I do think that they have an opportunity here uh, to run the ball, to establish some tempo, and to do some things to help the quarterback. They've two weeks now, two weeks in a row now, been completely and utterly unable to do anything in the running game. Your team is built to do that. That's what you've had success with. If you don't do that, then it puts a lot more pressure on the quarterback who right now isn't performing and seems to have lost some confidence, even potentially. You know, and, and I think that. He's a guy that really has lost whatever fastball he had. And so you're putting it on his plate, putting it squarely back on his plate when you can't get that going. That, that to me, is the uh, at least offensively, that's the big thing for me, more so even than the receivers and the injuries they've had there. I think if they don't run the ball, I, they're a different I, I, team. Right. So much for run the damn ball, right? That feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> Remember that? I mean, Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack's back last night. He's healthy. 11 carries for 19 yards. They had 46 as a team. They're not able to move the ball consistently at all. I mean, it's it's a miracle when they get a first down. That's what it feels like watching from the press box. Yes, I actually did cover the 2017 season, so let's go back to there. But it feels like that right now. Oh, man. yeah. Last night took me back to 2017 a little bit. Uh, listen, I, I think with Jacoby... Uh, I want to go back to the whole comment about next year and what, you know, that Frank saying that the one thing that I want to make clear to people, and and you know this too, uh, next year will get handled next year. Okay. Let's be clear. All right. So the fans are talking about next year, but we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. They don't know who the quarterback's going to be. So all I can tell you, like, I mean, I went on a little Twitter rant, you know, I never do that. As you know, it's not like me. Hmm. (laughs) I do it all the time, actually. But look, the bottom line is people got to chill. It, they have to chill because it's just it's not these are not questions that can be answered now, not even by the Colts. And that's the bottom line. Right. I mean, they right. don't know. Right. They don't know. They're still trying to get through these last two games. They're trying right. to figure out. I mean, Frank Reich was going to get off the phone with us and go meet with like the doctors and trainers to figure out like who's available to play this week. I mean, that you know, they're in the moment, man. And and I think people forget that they want answers to something for, you right. know, that's going to happen five months from now. Are you kidding me? They want the Colts to come out and say, we're done with Jacoby Brissett and we're moving on. And that's just not going to happen. Realistically, logistically, it's just not going to happen. Fans want immediate answers. They want Monday morning quarterback. They want everything to be fixed immediately so they can move on with their lives and feel like there's going to be hope next year. And I'm not saying there's not going to and be. I get these that. Are, these yeah. things are going to take time. And look, the Colts have been looking on the road for at quarterbacks this year. The minute Andrew Luck retired, they started looking hard and long at the quarterback prospects in this draft. That's their job. That's what the scouting department is for. The emphasis is a little bit higher when you have a franchise quarterback leave 15 days before the season opener. But 
Um, this is going to take some time. This is going to play out, and it's going to be a very interesting offseason because this needs to be addressed and this needs to be attacked. And before we get any answers, we're going to have to ask them these questions. And I think that's why the season-ending press conference in a couple of weeks with Chris Ballard and, and Frank Reich and maybe even Jim Irsay, I think it's going to be very fascinating to, to see how they handle a couple of topics. And you know these as well as anybody. One, what the heck were you doing with the kicking situation all season? Two, how do you feel about Jacoby Brissett? Is he your guy moving forward? And how will you play that hand out? And three, how did this all fall apart this season? You know, I was asking a couple people last night, like, was five and two just a mirage? Was that just a, a tease? They've completely become the opposite of that. And Jack Doyle, you know, last night when I posed that to him, I said, doesn't it feel like the exact opposite of this time last year? And he's he's like, yeah, it actually does. And, and it makes me sick to my stomach. So, um, you know, one follow up to one thing you said about, you know, the, the 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 thirst for answers, you know, at the end of the season. And we will have sort of, you know, these wrap up press conferences at the end. Uh, the one thing I, I got to prepare people for is, you know, you're not going to get definitive answers about quarterback now and you probably won't get them then either. All right. That's the one thing to remember, because they're not going to box themselves in. I mean. They may, even if they want to go out there and draft a quarterback in the first round, they don't know what their options are and they don't know, right. you know what they're. You might not get an answer until April yeah, 30th probably when the not, draft comes. You, you know? know, because you don't know who's going to go where. You don't know uh, what your what your ability to acquire that player is going to be. You know, whether you, people are talking about trading up, for example, right? You know, like you don't, we can't even begin to address that because. That's so far off that it's so hypothetical that we can't even go there. So, like, if you want answers, I get that. That's human. But sorry, buddy. <laughs> it could have happened for a long time. So, but, you know, you're free to feel however you want and, and to root for whatever scenario you want. But but just understand, it's going to require some patience. So, uh, I'm exhausted. And that you don't find patience on social media. <laughs> you just, I mean, come on, let's be honest. Before we go on, a quick word from DraftKings. The holiday season is here, and we know what that means for football fans. It's bowl season, as in well over 30 bowl games before the championship game on January 6th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway in the pros. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all the action and more 24-7 and 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every single day, especially this week. DraftKings is giving away eight days of sportsbook gifts this holiday season. Be sure to check out the promos tab in DraftKings Sportsbook app each of the eight days leading up to Christmas to open your gift daily. You definitely won't want to miss what's in store for Christmas Day as well. With promos like these, it's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook app is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code FAST. That's F-A-S-T. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget to sign up with the code FAST, F-A-S-T, to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Indiana only. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right. So, let's... uh. Let's talk about, you know, sort of the, the the defense and particularly, I mean, I think we should d- devote some time to Drew Brees and Michael Thomas in particular because uh, Drew Brees, I think the, the big thing with Drew Brees is, look, he's you're not going to sack 
Drew Brees very much. The Saints are, I think, f- number four in sacks allowed in terms of the fewest sacks. So no, it's it's three step drops and it's throwing. Any, it's he's fast. He's so smart. It's impossible to sack him. It's just, it's a it's a nightmare matchup for the Colts because they couldn't get home last night and they couldn't cover. And either. and even when it's a five or seven step drop, the ball comes out at the top of the drop, and that's the thing with him. I mean, it's a rhythm passing game. They're not. You know, it's, this is not Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians like last week. This is a totally different attack, right? It, it's a passing attack, but a much, much different passing attack. So so even when they have a deeper drop, the ball comes out pretty quick. So so you're dealing with a real challenge as a pass rusher. But that being said, there were some times when he had to hold the ball, which tells me, all right, guys were covered up at times. But they gave him an extra step because the pass rush never got there. They had, I believe, two hits on Drew Brees last night. Two. And he threw the ball 30 times. It ain't That ain't going to cut it. I mean, that is not good enough. Not for a team that, you know, has been, I think, sort of middle of the road in terms of pass rush. They've, they've not been bad. They've not been as good as they want to be. But they've had a, you know, a, a decent pass rush at times. I mean, hell, they had six sacks against Ryan Tannehill two weeks ago. So, I just think that it all we, – we spent a lot of time last night focusing on the defensive backs, and we will get to them, trust me. But <laughs> but I think the defensive line, they've got a lot of capital invested there. Justin Houston, uh, Jabal Shear, they've got, you know, draft picks. I mean, they have to they have to have more impact there. Danique Watry had the one big play, but outside of that, you know, not a lot of impact. So I think when – I wrote this in my story. When your best players underperform, this is what happens, especially when the other teams got studs too, and they did. They're, the Colts' best players definitely underperformed last night. And they couldn't keep up. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, let me ask you this, since you know we're talking about the future. Uh, that th- that front, and I know that Kamoko Ture is out, but do we know uh, – do we know what they are? I thought that was going to be a strength of the team this year. I think it's been okay. I don't want to rip them. I think they've been okay. Their defense has been mostly stable. But but have they underperformed? Yeah, they have. And and look, I I was buying this group in training camp, and it's because mainly I watched them hold their own against the Colts' offensive right. line. I, I saw Nico Autry hold his own against Quentin Nelson, and Justin Houston hold his own against. Anthony Costanzo, and I thought this would be very, very perhaps a breakout year for Autry, and he's disappointed me. I mean, he's been okay, but you've got Grover Stewart taking Marcus Hunt's job. Marcus Hunt, is, I mean, is he even on the Colts anymore? When's the last time he made a play? 2018. Um, I mean, look at these numbers. Like, let's consider these numbers. They gave up, over the course of the last two weeks, 52 completions for 763 yards and seven touchdowns. Now, one of those quarterbacks is one of the best of all time in Drew Brees. One of them's not. One of them's Jameis Winston. So that starts with the defensive line because, like you said, we'll get to the cover guys in a minute. They missed Kenny Moore in a huge way last night. The defensive line has been not getting it done the last couple of weeks, and that's killing them. They want to win up front, right? The run-the-damn-ball thing is not just about the offensive line, right? That's that's a cornerstone of Chris Ballard's roster identity he wants to win up front win in the trenches and that's what they were doing last year remember they weren't just running the ball really well down the stretch they were stopping the run that's what this Matt Eberflus scheme is designed to do they've not been doing that of late it's not that teams have been running all over them but they're not getting any 
pass rush. They're not getting any pressure on the quarterbacks. That's why Jameis was able to throw for 450 last week. And Breeze would have thrown for 500 if he stayed in the rest of the game last night. The problem, as, as Bob Colley, Bob Kravitz once said, is the end zone kept getting in the way. I mean, the Saints <laughs> could do whatever they wanted Hate last it when night. that happens. So, right. I mean, this was, I mean, this was clinical. I mean, I'll never forget how good Drew Brees looked last night on the football field. I mean, it was, it was surreal to watch. Um, I have no, I have no fathom why they couldn't do anything against Michael Thomas. And look, Michael Thomas is really good. He's going to get his catches, but like, why was he wide open every time? Like, how did that happen? Um, do something with the scheme. You need to double him. If you need to put two guys on him and put rock on the other side against someone else against Ted Gidd Jr. Do that. You got to do something. Iberflus had an awful night last night. His defense was utterly embarrassed. And the problem is we're going to ask the questions this week. We're not going to get any answers. So there's nothing we can really tell people. But um, for a defense that played pretty well for the bulk of the middle of the season, and I was one saying that, they have collapsed the last two weeks. And it's been it's been absolutely dreadful for this team. I, I just want to make one follow-up point. I was looking up a couple stats while you were talking there. Uh, so uh, Danico Autry, and I don't mean to like beat up on Danico Autry. I think he's a good player. And and they they have him on a pretty cheap deal. He's getting like five million dollars a year, you know, for a veteran yeah. interior defensive lineman that you know who's effective. That's fine. So, however, you know, we did set the bar pretty high. This guy had nine sacks in twelve games last season, man. And so yeah. this year in fourteen games, three and a half sacks. He has fourteen sacks in the past two seasons. He's got three and a half this year. That interior pass rush that destroys passing attacks. And I thought they were going to have more of it this year. And it's been non-existent. And that, I think, has been – I won't say non-existent, but it has not been as as prevalent as it was last year. I think that's been the difference because they didn't have a, a big sack guy on the edge last year. And yet – And Grover Stewart's not – he's not pass Well, rush. he's a nose I mean, tackle. maybe he's, he's is a run from time to time. He's, he's, a, he's a run right. stopper. So and, he, and he's done that. He's done that. He's done his job. But you got to get more out of Danico Autry. And, you know, maybe we're expecting too much out of him. But, again, nine sacks in 12 games last year – I don't know if they're game planning for him differently, but I am very, very surprised at his lack of consistent production. Uh, and it just when you when you expect something out of a guy like that, and you put a lot of eggs in that basket, you got to get something out of it, man. Speaking of expectations and not delivering, Malik Hooker. This is the second time in two weeks I brought him up. Um, the dude makes plays, but are those plays? You know, flash in the pans every couple of weeks, great highlight interceptions, enough to excuse, I mean, utter breakdowns in coverage the last two weeks, the last three weeks. I mean, just he's getting torched. And I know he's playing Drew Brees, who I think is probably the most accurate passing quarterback of the last 25 years. But I mean, he's just a step behind on everything the last couple of weeks. And that needs to be addressed because Malik Hooker has been a problem. So, you know, it, it gets so difficult to to like figure out like who's out of position, who's the guy, you know, you know this, right? right. We always struggle in this, with this. But, it, there's so much zone, but, right? But here's here's one thing I will say is that Malik Hooker, uh, last year we talked about his lack of, you know, statistics and that kind of thing. And it was a little bit of a topic of conversation. I defended him uh, vociferous, vociferously because no one was thrown over the top. Okay, so 
my explanation was, yes. all right, you know what? They know he's there. He's actually discouraging right. quarterbacks from taking those shots. They're checking it down and they're throwing it underneath. And they were truly, you know, playing bend but don't break in many cases, and they were getting off the field. So and you could hey, see that's that. Fine. You could see that. Yeah. They weren't giving up explosive plays this year. Right. Cool, so so that's a that's a case where it's not always about numbers, right? So however, this year, they are getting attacked, and quarterbacks are, at least lately, they are throwing it down the field. And here's my problem. Malik Hooker, three pass deflections this year. Three? Are you serious? Three pass deflections? Dude, he's, he's a free he's safety. He's supposed to be a ball hawk. Free safety. And then he's got, you know, he did play more in the box this season. I'll give him that. And I actually was impressed at some of the yeah, plays a little he made, bit. But it's not been like an all-the-time sort of deal. It's occasional. So he's got... He's got the two interceptions. Okay, fine. Both one-handed because that's what he does. But uh, he's got three pass deflections, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I, Darius Leonard has six. <laughs> so, come on, man. Darius Leonard, yeah. I mean, Darius Leonard is yeah. an animal. I get that. But this guy, he's the reason he's here is to be – talking about Malik. The reason he's here is to make plays on the back end. He's not making the plays. And so, you know, yeah. I don't know all the time who's at fault and who blew the coverage. And, you know, those things sometimes don't get uh, relayed to us. Right. And, and I'm always careful about who we blame and all that. But I got you got to make some plays once in a while, man. And if that's your if that's your M.O., if that's the book on you, the scouting report, well, then we should see it. And we don't see it. You know, when is he going to go across the field and show that range and go make a play on a, on a deep throw? I, and we're not seeing that. And so here's the reality with Malik Hooker. I wrote this in my story. I'm getting ahead of ourselves here, but, you know, who cares? Let's just put it all out there. We're talking about the future, right? So uh, he's going to be a guy they have to decide his future uh, coming up here next May. The Colts will have to exercise yeah. what's called the, the fifth-year option on Malik Hooker. It's not a guaranteed type of deal, but – that would that would exercise their 2021 option. They'll probably do that. I don't see why you wouldn't. It won't cost them a ridiculous amount of money. But I think he's got a lot of work to do before he proves he deserves a second contract. He's not there yet, in my opinion. And that's just the, the blunt reality of it. In this, in the last six or seven weeks, this losing streak, this this absolute crumbling of the season is revealing a lot. Yeah, that's right. Believe me, Chris Ballard. If you guys think it was rough to watch that game last night, believe me, Chris Ballard was was not a happy camper uh, watching that game in the Superdome as his team got absolutely pummeled. He's paying attention to who's playing better down the stretch and who's not. And they missed they missed Kenny Moore in a huge way last night. He is he is the Darius Leonard of the secondary. He's versatile. He does so many things. He covers up. But beyond Malik at the free space safety spot, Clayton Gathers is not even a defensive player anymore. He did not play any defensive snaps last night. He's relegated to special teams. He won't be back next year. Let's get your take on the corners because I haven't been very high on Rock this season. And look, he's a rookie corner and he's going to take his lumps and he's doing that. Um, and he got worked by Michael Thomas last night, which isn't the worst thing in the world because Michael Thomas yeah. does that to everyone he sees it's every not a, Sunday. It's not like a realistic measuring stick, you know, but but you yeah, know, it is what it is. That's fair. the NFL. That's the NFL. Though. But Pierre Desir hasn't been the Pierre Desir of last year. And he got a nice contract in the offseason. And he, at times last year, made halves of the field disappear. I mean, he really did shut down some elite cornerbacks and consistently played terrific. He's been battling injuries quietly. He's always in the training room. He's always got something wrapped up or taped or something. You know the cornerback position, how much those guys get banged up. He's been killing them this year. 
and that's been really hard and, and, and on this defense, and that's been hard on Malik Hooker. And it's just seemed to exacerbate itself last night when you put together that offense against this defense hurt and playing poorly. And they looked helpless. They looked lost. And it was an awful night if you were cheering for the blue and white. So a thought on Pierre Desir. Actually, I I thought about this earlier today and (laughs) so much so that I actually looked up the particulars of his contract to see what uh, his status was for next year. And it's very interesting, actually. I'm not suggesting they cut the guy uh, because I do think his injuries are a factor here. It has to be, yeah. right? Um, but that being said, you know, your performance is your performance. And I think, you know, it's on tape, you know, for all the NFL to see. So let's talk about Pierre. So he's got – he signed that three-year deal this past offseason. I thought that was a, a deal that made sense for everybody. The Colts are pretty excited to get him back. Uh, he went out there and checked the market, and I think his best deal was to come back home. So he did that, and the Colts got what they wanted, and he got you know a pretty sizable raise. So good, everybody's happy. Now he got uh, about I think nine million bucks this year in total, including bonus and everything else. Here's the thing: next year they owe him about six million bucks, but it's not guaranteed, folks, not at all. So they could cut Deer, they could cut Pierre Desir for nothing. Now, that's easier said than done because somebody's yeah. got to line up and play corner, right? And $6 million yeah. for a veteran corner in this league, not a you know not exactly a ton of money. But that being said, they, they got to figure that position out. They have put a lot of resources into the secondary, okay? Let's, yeah, let, this goes, Yeah, this Free goes to Chris agency. Ballard, okay? Right. You know, people, I've been asked sometimes, are we too easy on Chris Ballard? I don't think so. Because I think the job he had was stupid and ridiculous, okay, in terms of its difficulty. That being said, right. I do think it's fine to to critique some of the things that he's done here. And this is a guy who has uh, a lot of success in his track record and acquiring players in the secondary. You know, he's, he was the guy who spearheaded drafting, you know, Peanut Tillman, for example, which is one of his, the, probably his favorite player ever. He always talks about him. But, yes, uh, I agree with that. Yeah, but but he's not, you know, he's he's got a very mixed record right now in terms of the secondary. So his first draft pick ever, by the way, who was it? Malik Hooker. It's Malik Hooker. And then who okay. was his second? Quincy Wilson. Yeah. Who's nowhere to be found. Uh, you know, and actually yeah, no, when he, he is, is, he's, he's found. up a touchdown. He's just, you know, he's barely scraping on the field right now. And when he does, he's getting beat. I can't make um, an argument you know, for Quincy anymore. It's I I, no, I like the guy. No, I thought he. Ha- I, no. I still think he can be a player, but there's just not a lot of argument I can make for him. You know, I mean it's 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 like they say. Look, you guys watch the same tape we do. Everybody yeah. sees it. Um, you know, they went out and found Kenny Moore, which is a. Ter- I think Kenny Moore is a terrific player. I think he's everything you yeah. want the defense to be about. He's one of their better stories to, in that position. Um, they found Pierre Desir. They signed him. Um, but look, I mean, Rocky Sin, it's not like he had a great rookie season. I don't think you can say that. Um, you're right. They've invested a lot of resources in that position and that position is still hurting them late in this season. When you need certain positions to step up, that one is not doing it right now and it's killing them. There's no other way to look at it. So Rock, I mean, obviously he's a rookie and they've asked him to do things that were completely unfair. Like (laughs) I feel bad for the guy (laughs) sometimes like. Uh, he's he's been ducking me lately, I think, because like I've, they I've been try. <laughs> dude, they treat to... him like he's a five year pro. I mean, they just literally <laughs> throw him out there on an island. It's almost like they're playing press man, and he's just by himself. But 
He's out I, there I went up to him the other I mean, day. The amount of snaps yeah. he's played. It's crazy. Yeah. I went up to him the other day. I needed to, I needed like a quick interview for something and it probably wasn't going to be pleasant. And I was like, hey, Rock, do you have a second, man? He's like, oh, man, you know, actually, I got to go to this meeting. And he like ran out of the locker room. <laughs> I was like, it's like, you know, I've been doing this a long time, right, Rock? But yeah. um, it, it's fine. Like, I, I mean, he's, he's a good kid. I'm not, I don't have a problem with him. My point is, though, uh, I think at that position, it, it, another, a different type of kid might have maybe cracked under this. He hasn't cracked. He's he's a strong-willed guy, and I think he's built for this. But, man, they have they have put a lot on that guy's plate, and and it's like if – thankfully, he's not a weak-minded guy because you can break young players sometimes, you know? And they're like, hey, you got DeAndre Hopkins. Go get him, buddy. Uh, yeah. Hey, you got, you know – Michael Thomas, go get him, buddy. You know, like, okay, come on. You know, this kid's probably if, going if home he's for real. thinking, what do I got to do? Give me a break. If he's for real, this will be a year that he takes and he go puts benefit. with him and he stays with him and he gets better and better the next couple of years because of it. Because that's a tough position. It's go really benefit. tough physically because these guys are always banged up and it's really tough mentally because you have to live with failure because you're just going to get beat because it's just such an unfair position to play. But the best of them, they have to have that confidence and they have to have that basically unwavering belief that they're going to get it figured out. And so maybe this will be a good thing for rock, but you're right. They have thrown that kid into the fire from day one. Yeah. So anyway, as it, as it relates to the secondary as a whole, I, I think that most of these guys will be back. I mean, I, I don't know what they do with Quincy. They don't owe him a lot of money, you know, but they don't play him. Right. But, but that that's secondary. Uh, the, the only question I have, I guess, you know, semi big question mark is Pierre Desir. I think he's back, but I pro- it probably depends on how much the health is a factor. But anyway, my point is, though, I, I just think that they're they're not that far away from being solid back there, but they got to answer some questions. And they got to – I got to see a lot more from that group as a whole to know that, that they're the group we thought they were. Because right now, I don't have the evidence to see that, to, to determine that. And so I think that's why 2020 is going to be a big year for those guys on the back end. They – they invested a lot of resources and they had a lot of expectations for them and the results have been very mixed. But again, there's on the bright side, there's guys like Kari Willis. George Odom has been a revelation, right? I mean, this guy, eh, I mean, that's probably too strong, but like, you know, he's a, he's a strong contributor. Like he, they like George Odom and he has a very good skill set. They'll have him, I think for a couple of years to go still. So there's, it's a mixed bag, but they got to figure that out. Let me ask you something here, Zach. Uh, you were in the building last night, as was I, and I, I think uh, years from now, I don't know how long Drew Brees will have that record, but but if he has it a while, uh, we'll look back and like, you know what? We were there, and that was a hell of a moment. Yeah. Uh, what did you? Yeah, it was. What did you observe, man? I mean, that was was that? Did it feel like a? Did it, did you feel the the import of it, the impact? I did, and um, you get numb to these games because you go to so many on the road, and you've done. Saints mm-hmm. games before because you cover the NFC South with the Bucks for a long time. And I had never been to the Superdome to cover football. And this was a different scenario for us because we were out in the open. We were in the dome. We were not in some secluded press box where you don't get a real feel. This was as loud as I've heard. And a couple of players I talked to after the game said it was the loudest stadium they've ever played in. Oh. You got the feel from the minute the game started. This was a big moment. Um, I saw a million Saints jerseys around town over the weekend. You know, they're going for a Super Bowl and you could feel that energy. And then when Breeze just came out to warm up in his number nine jersey, you could feel the noise in your body because it was so loud. 
Um, and I did feel the import of that moment because um, one, he didn't have an, I mean, one can incompletion all night. It was like, it was like watching a video game. It was like watching LeBron score 40 and a quarter. It was just, it was one of those things that he could do no wrong. The Colts could do no right. Um, and look, if everybody's a fan of great quarterbacking, right? It's a, such a fun position to watch. It felt like we were watching something special. And I mean, this wasn't quite 62 to seven the last time the Colts played in this place, but it felt like it was headed there for a minute. Um, Drew Brees, I think, is one of those guys we're going to be talking about for a long time. Just how special it was to watch these guys at their prime, at their peak. And it doesn't look any better than it did last night if you're a quarterback fan. So uh, just along the same lines, you talked about the, you know, the environment in the dome there. I, I got to say, look, it's really easy to be a Colt, excuse me, a, a Saints fan right now. Granted, I, I get that. But I'm going to give those people some credit. Okay, we were around town all day on on Monday. And I got I got to tell you, I mean, it's not like I walked around town with a Colts hat on or anything. And I mean, just random people just keep coming up to you and like, who that? Oh, who yeah. that? It's like everywhere you the go. The whole went, damn weekend. It's like, <laughs> I was like sick of it. I was like, people, shut up. I'm sick of it. <laughs> so I went before you and I met to go over to the stadium. I went to a restaurant behind the hotel and just grabbed a bowl of gumbo just to, you know, to put something in my stomach for the game. And they start singing the, the Saints fight song behind the bar, the bartenders. And I'm like, do you people do this like on a regular basis? Is this just what you do? And I think it is. And they're, I got to say, man, they are, they're the real deal. They are invested in their team man. they love their city. They love their team. Don't you say a bad word about either one of those things because they will chase you out of there. So we were leaving the game real quick aside. We were leaving the game. Me and Bob left a little bit before you did. We caught an Uber out of Mercedes Benz stadium and and got back to our hotel. And Uber driver was very, very much new Orleans sounded like new Orleans. (laughs) And he was talking about the game and, you know, he was saying the Saints should have won by more. And he asked us where we were from. We told him Indianapolis and he was, he thought for a minute and he said, you know, what happened to that quarterback y'all had? What was his name? You know, why'd he just retire? And we just kind of like shrugged our shoulders and we're like, dude, like, where do you want to go? Like, where do you want to, you know, where do we start? You know, it's too late. Just get us to the hotel. It was probably two in the morning. It's been too late of a night. It's been too long of a damn season. Right. Uh, I don't have an answer for you, but yeah, it's uh, to sum it up. It's really good to be a Saints fan right now. And if you're a Colts fan right now, I think you're thinking about April. Yeah, it's all cyclical, you know. Uh, the Saints will be there one day, right? I mean, Drew Brees won't play forever. But it, on that note, it, here's an interesting, another aside. Uh, you had your little run in there. I had one on the elevator down. Uh, Bob Kravitz and I uh, had the pleasure of sharing the elevator ride with Bobby Abear, who, if you're a longtime NFL fan, you know, you know, he was the longtime Saints quarterback. I, he might have been. I can't remember. I'm, I'm probably a little too young, but I think he might have been in the era of the, the brown paper bags. You know, when when they oh, were yeah. uh, they're wearing the brown bags on their that's heads. That's all back in I the knew about the Saints growing that up. That was that's the, like the Saints. only thing I knew was the brown paper bags. Yeah, that was the Saints back in the day. That I mean, in, no this, in, in Archie Saints Manning in the Superdome. That's like that's all they were known for. But anyway, he he has first of all the strongest Cajun accent you've ever heard. It's hilarious, and he was so excited. He's like, I gotta tell you, Drew. He he ain't he ain't retiring. He he's gonna play while he's gonna play as long as it takes. He's gonna own that record. And I was like, okay, Bobby, I, I couldn't get away from the guy. He wouldn't shut up. I, I was like, hey, Bobby, I gotta go. I gotta go. Hey, man, it's been fun. And he just he wouldn't stop. But he, he was so excited. But like, that's that's what it's like right now to be a a Saints fan. So, hey, I, I don't know if we're telling you this to uh, 
to tease you or to punish you, but uh, <laughs> I guess you, as a Colts fan, you probably can't relate, but uh, at least not at the moment. But look, um, here's what I'd say, and you tell me your thoughts, Zach. They got two games to go, so yeah. What if what if anything can they accomplish? I'll give you my answer. I, I think really it goes to what we were just saying. For example, about the defensive backs, who are you? Show me what you got. Yeah. Uh, and at these moments, this is the tape they're going to watch. They're He's gonna, watching. Ballard's the, watching. Believe in the offseason, when they do their reviews, they're going to go back and they're going to watch the tape of these last three or four games. Okay? Who quit? Who didn't quit? Who's got what it takes? You know, who who went out there and manned up and did what they had to do and showed something and showed development? That's what I'm looking for. And and I know that's what Chris Ballard's looking for. Uh, Frank Reich talked about getting the 8-8. Eight and eight. Do, do you care? Yeah. Does it matter? Thoughts? No, it doesn't matter. Um, it matters in what you're talking about. Ballard's paying attention to who's there and who's not. You want to know who's with you when it gets hard. And that's not just who's on the field right now. That's who's with the team and who's not. And you know what I'm talking about. And the fans out there know what I'm talking about. Um, the record doesn't matter to me right now. If you're not in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. Um, right. This whole like finish on a good note thing, if, if you don't tell me for one second that a win in Jacksonville next weekend is going to make you feel better about this season because it's not. I'm not buying that for a second. Here's what Frank Reich said today on that very topic, and I thought this was interesting. And I'm getting a lot of blowback from fans on social media just for tweeting it out. I mean, this is what Frank said. Nobody likes where we're at. We're disgusted where we're at. Life is not easy. We know we're professional athletes. We get paid a lot of money by Mr. Ursay to win games and win a championship. That was this team's goal this year. Frank's never shied away from that, regardless of who retired, right? These two next two weeks are critically important. Even though the wins and losses don't carry over, our process carries over and what we represent in the next two weeks. We want to believe, you better believe that carries over. We need to go about our business, be professionals, get back to eight and eight. And end this season on as positive a note as we can. So I get what he's saying, right? You don't want everything to splinter. You don't want everything to fall apart. Everything hasn't fallen apart as this season has crumbled. They just haven't won any games. I still think they're playing for Frank. But I think it goes back to what you mentioned at the top. And it's, look, you want to know who's there, who's with you. Because that's how you build something. You build something with the guys that are going to be with you when it's really good. But more importantly, when it's really bad. And you're, you've seen that this year. You've seen some guys show their true colors. And I think T.Y. Hilton's at the top of the list. T.Y. does not need to be playing football right now. And he is. And he's out there. And who knows if he's 100%. I don't think he is. Um, but last night, you know, he was point blank like, look, it's different when I'm out there. I need to be out there for my team. Um, believe that the front office sees that. They need more guys like T.Y. Hilton, not just in the playmaking ability, but guys that are that committed. So I think that does play a role into going into 2019 and how you see this team moving forward. But I could care less how they play the next two weeks. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's, I, the record ain't, it doesn't matter to me. Six and 10 is no different than eight and eight. Yeah. I think it's more about individual assessment, like you said, uh, than anything else. And, and frankly, you know what? Uh, if you got pride individually, you know, obviously you're, they're a team and, and the team supposedly comes first and all that. That's, that's fair. Uh, but, it becomes about the name on the back of your jersey, and either you got pride or you don't got pride. And 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 here's the thing: in the NFL, I don't care if you're playing for the Bengals right now; you're always playing for your damn job. So, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, everybody should be job. out there acting like like the like it's a Super Bowl because you're always playing for your job. And when you don't have a good season as a team, the stakes get higher. And I think 
we know this, right? Okay, after 2017, uh, they made a lot of changes that year, right? They uh, a lot of those guys, like you know John Hankins, for example, and they they cut a lot of those guys. You know John Simon got cut. I mean, not ripping these guys. I'm just saying uh, they were all being evaluated, and they didn't see them as part of their future. So you think you're always playing staff- for your future. What's that? You think the coaching staff needs wins the next two weeks? Forget the uh, players for a minute. You think the coaching staff needs right. to prove that they can figure this out and stop the bleeding? I think it does because matter. the coaching staff has never looked bad, never looked worse than it did last night. It matters for their credibility in the locker room. I'm not suggesting that that players are doubting Frank Reich because listen, let me no. tell you, I've asked. Okay, I've asked. I've talked to a lot of players, and they look at you like with this quizzical look, like, "What are you talking about? Like you crazy?" So no, no, they are they're no. all in. With Any Frank. talk of that is nonsense. Yeah, so let me just assure people of that. But I do think it. I, I do think as a coach, uh, when you pitch your message over and over, it's got to come with some results. Otherwise, you know, do you start to get tuned out? Maybe not now, but you know, you want to see the results because I think uh, you, you want them to buy in, and it becomes harder to buy in when they don't get results. So for the coaching staff, that's where it's important. Um, the one coach I think you know is going to have to probably do some explaining is Bubba uh, Bubba Ventrone, yeah. the special yeah. teams coach. Uh, we've talked a lot about special teams. You guys saw the game, but that's an area that I I think is is problematic. Frank keeps defending him, but it's a problem. Yeah. yeah, and I don't like this argument from Frank. To be perfectly honest, he keeps saying that they rank high in a lot of the special teams categories in terms of return yards and average starting field position and all that. But like, right. Dude, like special teams is about not beating yourself, and it's about the you know the first punt on Monday night, and they pin him at the two. And I'm not saying Breeze couldn't have driven 98 yards and gotten a touchdown, but because of the hold on Jonathan Williams, it's a 65 yard change in field position, and that's that's exactly what this unit's been doing all season. They've been shooting the Colts in the foot, whether it's a bad snap, bad hold, lots of bad kicks, holding penalties. All this stuff that's added up, and when you're not good at the quarterback position, you can't make these kinds of mistakes. That's how five and two becomes six and eight in a lot of different ways. So um, I think that's going to be a a position that they take a long and hard look at right now because there's no doubt the special teams has been hurting this team all season long. Yeah, I agree. So anyhow, I don't know if you are uh, depressed after all this or – if uh, we're giving you something to chew on, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what purpose we serve, but uh, I think you're better educated, I hope. <laughs> for better or for worse, yeah. you know more, I hope. And you got a Bobby Bear story out of it. So, like, what the hell do you want, man? Come on. Hey, so <laughs> if you liked it, if you didn't like it, we kept it real, man. I mean, this is what it was. You guys, like I tweeted after the game last night, like, look, there's nothing I need to say. You guys watch the game. You know what happened. So, hopefully this enlightened you on a couple of things that we think are relevant right now because a lot of conversation is going to start moving towards the offseason in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so, you know, and as those conversations start, just remember what we said, I would say, is my only advice would be just, you know, understand this is a, a process and it's going to require your patience. So it is what it is. But anyhow, uh, enough about that. I think you've gotten enough advice from me for the day, so I'll shut up now. Uh, this is Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. Uh, before we go, just real quick, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, here's your chance. We've got a great discount for you. Go to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 1% better, O-N-E percent better. Uh, that's going to get you a pretty steep discount, and it will give you access to all of our coverage, all coverage on the site, 
all content on the site, as well as our subscriber-only podcast, which we post at the end of the week. Uh, that is uh, only available to our subscribers. So thanks again for listening. Panthers at Colts on Sunday. We'll be there. So happy holidays from Zach and I, and thanks for listening.